So it's been really interesting for us as a leadership of the church, even so far in deciding what we were going to do today, because we are entering new waters. There's no formula for what's best. And in a situation where you're not sure what to do, as believers, we have to try and tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we do the right thing, we will feel the peace of God. But if we feel really troubled about something, that's a sign that we're going into a difficult area. And I found this little prayer that I want to pray with you now as, as we start our um, meditation. This prayer says, From the arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, from the cowardice that shrinks from new truth, from the laziness that is content with half-truth, O God of truth, deliver us. Sometimes we think we know more than we do. Other times we know what we should do, but we don't do it. Other times we're complacent, we're lazy, and we settle for something that is less than God's truth. And so these are times where we really need to be listening to what God is saying to us. And the passage from the Bible that I want to talk to you about this morning is found in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 26, which says, If anyone would come after me, this is Jesus speaking, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose it or forfeit our very lives? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So there's many expectations here in those verses from denying ourselves to having a total belief and allegiance to God. And a lot of non-believers would read that and they'd, they'd think, oh, that's too tough. That's too hard for me. I want to be the boss of my own life. I don't want to do what God's telling me to do. And you might look at that and you think, are those demands that Jesus is making of us, are they excessive? Are they unreasonable? Or is Jesus offering us the best deal ever available? Jesus says in verse 23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. Our world today is all about self. It's maximizing my satisfaction. It's me succeeding even if I fall over other people in the process. But this means that we're to voluntarily give up something. It might be a couple who own a big empty house and they think, oh, we'll sell the family home so that another family can buy it and have, 
have a house, have space. Or some guy who's, a, who's CEO of a company and he steps down so that some younger up-and-coming person can take that role and he takes on a lower-paid job with less prestige. Or a celebrity who gives up fame. There was a, a cricketer called C.T. Studd who used to play cricket for England and he was highly regarded. Everyone knew him. He was from a wealthy family. He was one of the best cricketers in England. And everywhere he went, people wanted to shake his hand and tell him how wonderful he was. He gave it all up to go to Africa to be a missionary. Or someone donates a kidney to save the life of a friend. So Jesus invites us to be his disciples by considering others and not just focusing on ourselves by sacrificing something that we want or we have for the benefit of someone else by letting go of our anger frustration and resentment when people wrong us by so taking up our cross is accepting a burden a weight that we'd rather not carry We'd like to watch more TV and sleep in, but we get up early to go to a prayer meeting instead. We're saving up for a holiday, but we find someone who's in a desperate financial situation and we help them out instead. We take unfair treatment without getting angry and uptight about it. Our lives are different because Jesus is living his life through us. So how do we deny ourselves for Jesus? Maybe our honest answer is, I can't really think of any way that I do. Then our challenge this morning is for us to start thinking about these things. Think of what we have and do something to help others in the name of Jesus. If we try it every day for three months, it will become a habit. And so Jesus went on to say, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? You know, the world is full of people who have spent all their lives accumulating money. And they could die of the virus. 800 people in Italy died yesterday. We think we've got it made. We're successful in this world. But we lose this life. What have we worked for? What is treasure that will last forever? You know, the President of the United States has personal bodyguards who are expected to take a bullet for him. They're to put themselves in the line of fire for someone else. And that's basically saying that Trump's life is more valuable than theirs. It's better for me to die than for him to die. And being a Christian is putting our life on the line for Jesus. We love him so much that we want to please him. 
want to guard his reputation. We admit that Jesus is worth far more than we are. What he wants is more important than what we want. You know, during the Roman Empire, the Christian church was really, te really tested in this teaching. Citizens were forced to swear allegiance to Caesar, to deny Christ, in order to get the documents that they needed to work, to buy food, and to travel. Many people denied Christ and agreed to the government's terms for the sake of their jobs and for the sake of their families. When the persecution was over, lots of those people wanted to return to the church. But those other Christians that had suffered for their faith became convinced that anyone who had denied Christ was not really a true disciple of Christ. I've wondered what I would, do, would have done in that situation. It's so easy just to go along with the crowd. Am I strong enough to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I willing to give my life for him? Even in this comfortable, modern, Western society, it can be difficult at times to stand up for Jesus. We're also told to, to obey our political leaders. And so when Brian Tucky turns around and says, look, um, I'm not going to tell my congregation not to come, he's not actually obeying the law that's been put in the land. So in Romans 13 verses 1 and 2, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so we do have to obey our, our leaders. We couldn't have had church as normal because that would be disobedient. And now that people over the age of 70 are being, rec are being recommended not to come to public gatherings, then uh, we rang round our older folk and we said, look, don't feel you've got to come to church today. We want to do what our government tells us to do as long as it doesn't contradict what God tells us to do. But it's very, very easy to focus solely on ourselves and our own needs. We can fight for things that really don't matter we can have things that we can't keep. We can be so consumed with all that we have and do that there's very little time left for Jesus. And that's tragic because as our verse says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for God's sake, Jesus' sake, will save it. What good is it for a person to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his self. And then the final verse, verse in that passage. If anyone is ashamed of me, and we can all ask ourselves, am I ashamed of the gospel? Am I ashamed of Jesus? The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father 
and of the holy angels. There is a God. That's why this world continues to exist in spite of volcanic eruptions and earthquakes and plagues and famines and all sorts of things. It's because God is in control and he uses all these things for his glory. So Jesus demands our total allegiance. He wants his followers to be as devoted today as they would be if they knew that he was returning tomorrow. He wants us to believe in him and in what he says, whether it's popular or embarrassing, whether it's punished or rewarded, whether it's here and now or later in heaven. Loyalty is an attitude, but it also involves action. We can't say that we're loyal to Jesus if we use his name as a swear word or we disobey his teachings, or if we're just selfish, thinking about ourselves. Many of us fail in these areas, and so did Jesus' disciples. It's interesting that Jesus told them the things in these verses. And then within a very short time, Peter went off and denied Jesus three times. Said he'd never even met Jesus. He was scared. And then Thomas had doubts that Jesus had really risen from the dead. So these guys, St. Peter and St. Thomas, they both failed the loyalty test. And we, we, fail, we fail it at times too. But when we come back to Jesus, he's gracious and he is forgiving. You know, it's interesting in the traditional marriage vows. In those traditional vows, we pledge our obedience to a long, a lifelong commitment. For better for, or for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. Is that a good deal or a bad deal? I guess it depends on who you marry. If, if my wife really loves me and when she said those vows she totally meant them and I love her and when I gave those vows I totally meant them, then they're the, that's the best pledge commitment you could possibly make. And that's what Jesus offers to every Christian. He promises that he will love us always. He will give us of his best. He will never leave us. He will never abandon us. For better and worse, richer and poorer, sickness and health, forever and ever and ever. But what does he ask of us in return? He asks that we always put him first. Even when that means sometimes denying ourselves those things that we really want. He asks that we love him more than our own lives. We give him our allegiance. What sounds like the ultimate sacrifice is actually the greatest blessing. You know, it's really interesting because at our last elders meeting, we started considering our next five-year plan. 
And we decided that for the next five years, we wanted to be a wee bit more outward looking. That our previous five year plan really focused on ourselves and our needs and our congregation. And we're thinking, look, there's a whole world out there that we want to help. The founder of YWAM, which is now the largest missionary organisation in the world, was a guy called Lauren Cunningham. And he founded YWAM when he was still in his 20s. He went on a mission trip to Mexico and they really helped the Mexicans and they saw many of them come to the Lord. And this guy said, okay, I want to get many young people from all over the world to go into countries, particularly where there's been tragedies, and support those people and help those people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those people. And then he had a vision for a mercy ship. And he heard that the Cook Strait Ferry, the Maori, was for sale. And so he came to New Zealand and uh, he looked at the boat and he got some people to help him. And they said, wow, this is amazing, this boat. You know, it's big, it can carry a lot of people, there's cabins for sleeping. Then someone came along and says, look, I'll pay the deposit. And another guy came along and said, look, I'll be the captain. I've had years of maritime experience. And money was coming in. Everyone was really excited. And suddenly, God said to him, you're not to buy that ship. You're putting your faith in the ship rather than keeping your eyes on me. He made the announcement, we're not buying the ship. And from that the announcement, he got to his board and they said, look, we're not going to buy this. And without even announcing it, no more money came in. But later, but later on, they bought the Anastasis which was used to go around the world where there'd been natural disasters, where people were suffering. And they could take aid, they could help people, they could preach the gospel, they could run a DTS on board that ship. It went to the Olympic Games to evangelise. It helped bring refugees out of Vietnam. It did amazing things. And so a few weeks ago, our church, well, some people in our church went and had a look at Birkenhof Lodge, which was on the market. And that's a backpacker's hostel on the corner of Scannell and Duncan Street. It's only two blocks from here. And, um, and people in this church were saying, we should buy that. It accommodates 63 people. There's a manager's flat with three rooms. There's two big lounges. There's an industrial kitchen. We could help people that are struggling to find housing in town. We could provide affordable housing for people. We could train people to sort of socially connect with others. We could still run it as a backpackers and bring in income for the church. And people got quite excited about this and we started thinking about it and we started doing profit loss, um, you know, uh, in, income, outgoings, all this sort of stuff, cost-benefit analysis, and, and it was looking reasonably good. But it didn't happen. Someone else bought it. And we were going to have a meeting after, this, after the service this morning to discuss 
if uh, we would go ahead and buy this thing. And it's not to say we've got a lot of money or anything, but when you're buying something that's going to be a community facility, you can tap into community funding and trust funding, and you can really bless our community in those ways. But just like the Māori wasn't to be the right boat for YWAM, we're thinking, what could we do for our town that would be a stream in the desert, that would raise the quality of life for the people who are the poorest of the poor. And last time I spoke, two weeks ago, I said that it's the richest people sleep the least because they've got the most anxiety. But in actual fact, these, in, a, in a monetary economy, where you need cash to do anything. If you don't have money, you are under stress. If you can't pay your power bill, if you can't pay your rent, and someone's likely to kick you out of your house, then you're under all sorts of stress. And so as a church in the future, we're going to be strategizing and thinking and praying for what one thing can we do that will raise the tide in our city to make things easier for the people who struggle the most. Now the other day, I decided, well, for the last few weeks, I've decided that I'm going to have a smoothie for breakfast each morning. Our grapes have grown really well this year, but they're a bit sour. And so I'm thinking, I don't want to waste anything, so I'm going to put a bunch of grapes in a smoothie and add to it a banana, an apple, some almond milk, and um, some powder that my wife thinks is good for me. And so the other day I put everything in the blender, put it on the blend, and turn on the blender, and I just get this big loud whirring sound and nothing's happening. I hadn't put the milk and the water in the smoothie. So it didn't mix up like it was supposed to. And last week Mike talked about streams of living water and the living water is the Holy Spirit. And so it's really important that whatever we do is surrounded by prayer and it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we are working with the Holy Spirit, we're guided by the Holy Spirit. We can achieve the impossible. We can do amazing things. But if we don't have the water of the Holy Spirit in the mix, not a lot will happen. And we can make a, a lot of noise and a lot of froth and bubble, but at the end of the day, we're not going to get the result that we want. And so over the next months, we're really praying for God to lead us in all sorts of ways. And we thank you that you are part of this community and that God has special things for us ahead. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you died for each of us. And in your dying, you have granted us a share in your kingdom. We thank you for showing compassion and generosity toward each of us. We pray that we also will show compassion and generosity toward others. 
and that through doing so, others will accept the compassion that you offer to them. We thank you that you are Lord of all, and in you we put our trust. In Jesus' name, amen.